Hello, everyone. My name is Nick. I'm the host of Nikolai's Kitchen, and I'm also the host of the annual live stream for The Cure. Livestream for the Cure is a charity event where we raise money with content creators and podcast partners from around the world for the Cancer Research Institute, a wonderful nonprofit researching cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This is a mission and a future that I truly believe in. And myself and my team worked tirelessly over the past five years to raise over $50,000 for this cause. This year, we're aiming for our biggest single goal to date of $20,000, and we cannot do it without your help. Please join us for the event May 19th through the 21st, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern, for 45 hours of content from people all over the world. Together, we can bring hope for a future immune to cancer. The more eyes we reach, the more dollars we raise. Please help us in making this goal a reality. Together, we can make a difference. Art, comedy, pop culture, and much more. You're listening to ACPN. They say it's not about the destination, but the journey. And while every story has a beginning, we're here to talk about the end. Hey everybody, I'm Podcast Rob. And I'm Corporal James Hatton. And we are here for another episode of The End. The End. Yep, this is the show where we watch the last episode of something, and um, whether we've seen any of it before or not, and we discuss the last episode sort of in a bubble, and we discuss it, and um, this is one that we've had on the list since the beginning, <coughs> arguably, yeah. one of, uh, arguably one of the greatest uh, finales of all time, and I, I was looking forward to it because I, I'm coming in blind. I never watched MASH. I've never watched a maybe a half an episode because it would be on like after cheers of the honeymooners back when i was a teenager right, right. Um, so i i walked in blind a couple of character names like i knew the premise but never saw an episode where are you at on mesh um i mean i had seen some like i can't say like you know we've followed it all the time but uh i am i am not unfamiliar with mash um i watched the movie uh, mm-hmm. that it was that it was based on, like uh, right. a couple years ago, because I'd never actually seen the movie, uh, so I checked the movie out. The movie's really good. Um, okay, and I mean the TV show, obviously based off the movie. Uh, the TV show went from seventy, what was it seventy eight to eighty three? I think it was. Yeah, something like that. I know five six. Uh, might be longer a, than that, 70, because it's, uh, yeah, 11 seasons. And this is yeah. 11 seasons when TV shows were, you know, 28, 30 episodes per season, uh, with the exception of this final episode, which is uh, season 11, only did 16 episodes. Um, yeah, no, no, 72 to 83. 72 to 83, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That would be math, Rob. Good job. Um, I'm with you. But yeah, you are correct. When we first came up with this concept of the end, we're like, ooh, that's a really cool concept. Um, we could do stuff like, and we immediately were talking like, you know, Dexter, Sons of Anarchy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Breaking Bad, MASH. Like, it was on, like, the 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 Bible list that we came up with yeah. in the very beginning. It's that because- being said, we also knew that this is a very heavy episode. Yeah. 
Also true. So we kind of kept putting it off, putting it off. Not because we didn't want to do it. We just didn't feel like it was ever kind of the right time. Yeah, 100%. Um, but we've been doing what we've been doing this style where we do like the four shows a week for I think I think was it four years now we've been yeah. doing this kind of stuff three four and yeah we just so got to um, it. so I think the time is right to do uh, to do uh, goodbye farewell and amen is the it's actually a two hour episode it was kind of a two hour movie uh, that was filmed to. Uh, wrap up the entire plot of MASH. Yep. Um, is considered, is uh, honestly, if you go look at a list of greatest finales of all time, it, if, if it's not on the list, you have to put question to the list. Yeah. Um, because it was the biggest television event of the day, of the time. Um, fun fact, there was apparently a uh, sewer problem, a plumbing problem in... Uh, where was it? I have to go pull it up again. Um, Northern New York, probably. Uh, Pennsylvania, somewhere in there. Uh, because of the amount of people that went and used the bathroom as the right after the credits ran. Because there was millions upon millions upon millions of people watching this. You know, back when there were, you were watching, you know, four networks watching all, everybody's watching DuPont. Um, right. After the show was done. Everybody hit the head. So there was literally a plumbing issue. But I will say, I was not sure what to expect. I wasn't sure whether this was going to be a show that was too heavy for me or whether it was going to be like, ooh, this is a show that couldn't exist anymore, which I will get to because it's my thoughts. But um, this was fucking phenomenal. <laughs> it was so it, good. It, it was, it was, yeah, it was pretty fucking amazing. And, and for... A show that has had the cultural impact that it has had, uh, that it has run for as long as it has, for it to be able to wrap up everything it needed to in two hours. Yep. Honestly, very much so. Pretty fucking impressive. And. So from what I understand, the show had sort of run its course. Seasons 10 and 11, they, they dip into more silliness. It's kind of um, plots are penciled in, you know, fill in the blanks kind of thing. But what they did for this last episode is it's a mini movie. I mean, it starts off with odd framing devices. There's plots that begin at the beginning that have sort of full narrative arcs uh, for every character. Uh, it leaves a couple sort of, well, huh, that's not how I expected it to end bits for some of them. And not knowing who the archetype of the characters wa were, you understood who everybody was. Yeah. Every yeah, they did a really good job of that. Beautifully. <clears throat> this, now, <clears throat> I'm sorry, um, no, unlike please. other episodes of the end that we've done, like, oh... 90210 or stuff like that where you watch the last episode and you're like yeah I'm not entirely sure how we got to this point but here's this person and I don't know how important they are to the rest of the show like you if you've never seen an episode of MASH but you know that hey this is a TV show based on 
a mobile army hospital in the Vietnam War, and that's all you know, and you watch this episode, like, you're good. Yep, 100%. You don't really necessarily need to, like, is it, could you go back and watch it all and learn all the character arcs? Yeah, but, like, I don't think you end this going, well, I didn't really understand, like, this person, or I, I don't understand that, you know, that motivation. Like, it, it really did a good job of kind of giving everybody their moment and tying everything up. Yep, with uh, only two characters were in the first episode and the last episode, that being Alan Alda, who plays Hawkeye, and Loretta Swit, who plays Hot Lips. Um, and you can tell just from their last moment together, because they really share the last beat of the the farewells. Uh, there's one more after it, but they get a moment. Um, you can tell they have history, but they didn't have much interaction throughout this episode. But you know that they clearly, there's there's a story there. Yeah, yeah. Um but every individual character I, I really shines. And right from the start, I mean, Hawkeye, uh, Alan Alda, I knew he was sort of the, the goofball, was sort of the central hub character. And they start off with this sort of brutal bit where he is in a uh, psychiatric hospital, um, which I assume is nearby because they are in a war. Uh, and he's dealing with his shrink because of this horrible thing that occurred. And they do an amazing framing device where he's on a bus. And it's not really about a bus. It's about this guy. But it's not really about a guy. It's actually about this woman. And it's not really about this woman. It's about this kid. And they just change it and change it. And it gets darker and darker to to the point where he really has a, a breakthrough by by realizing that he had this horrific moment with a woman and her child in this bus. Um that it it like strikes you. It struck me pretty hard because along painted around it is Alan Alda telling like all the cheese fell off my cracker jokes. You know, he's telling sort of I'm in the loony bin, tee hee bits and but in the center of it is about this woman and a child. This horrible. I'm not even going to get into the nuances of it. Um, that it's such a dramatic. This is really funny, and this is really dark, and it does that a lot. Like that's. Yeah. I'm sure that is a theme throughout the whole series. It it, um, it definitely was. There was. Uh, <sighs> good morning Vietnam did kind of a very good job of mimicking that. Um, mm -hmm. although it did it in much broader strokes because like for that movie, like the first two thirds of the movie was very comedy based and then it takes a very serious turn at the, at the end. Yes. Bash was kind of always, and it wasn't every episode, but overall it was how comedy could help through the dark stuff. So some episodes were very 50-50, some were a little, you know, 60-40, 70-30 kind of thing. Um, but it always had that, um, you know, if we don't find humor in it and we don't laugh, what what the fuck is the alternative? Thoroughly. Um, you know? It reminds me of, there's a documentary, and it's, if only if you like this sort of thing would you find this fun. But it is similar, it reminds me very much of this. It's called The Last Laugh. Um, and the pre the subtitle of it is, Can the Holocaust Be Funny? And now I know that's, you sit and you go, wait, what? But it's literally a litany of Jewish comedians 
and the comedy that World War II sort of inspired and including Holocaust victims. Um, and they're sitting there discussing, like, can you make fun of Hitler? Is that okay? <clears throat> and some people are like, no, you can't. And then they go to Mel Brooks and he goes, but you have to. Um, super similar in nature of you have to look at the worst in life. And if you can't find humor in it, well, why are you fighting? Um, and this show, big golden star on that one. Right. Uh, one of my favorite lines in the whole thing is there's there's all these bombs being dropped. There's a tank that has found its way onto their encampment. Um, so every few minutes, like bombshells are dropping and like scenes are interrupted by getting into under tables and stuff. And at one point in time, one of them says, well, you know, they're just going to keep throwing mortars at us. And Hawkeye goes, well, the mortar, the merrier. And I fucking lost it. Yeah. It was such a great out of nowhere punchline. And he's cackling to himself as everybody else is looking at him like, maybe you should go back to the bin. Well, and um, the funny thing is, is that that line works on two different levels. Because on the first level, it works because that's the type of humor that Hawkeye and, and BJ have throughout the entire series. Mm -hmm. So it fits the character, but if you take it in the lens that he was like, he literally spent the first third of this episode in a psychiatric hospital dealing with the trauma of what him and Sidney, the psychiatrist, go over about the bus ride, it makes sense on a completely different level because he still thinks he's a little cracked. Yeah, 100%. I would so agree. the fact that he throws this line out that works both as, hey, this is exactly the type of humor that this character would always make, and he's a little still kind of uh, not all there. Yeah. it was It was really well done. Uh, was thoroughly surprised. I mean, what I, I did notice a lot of actors um, who have been in, who I know very well from other things, uh, in every corner of that show. Um, the one, I guess he's he's like a depot, gives you your guns, signs your stuff out. Is the uh, was the villain from the Police Academy movies? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that too. Yeah, I was like Proctor. Where is Proctor? Immediately. Um, the woman who Klinger marries goes on to be Keiko O'Brien on the Star Trek series. This is my, oh, least okay. favorite, my least favorite Star Trek character ever. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Oh, long story. Um, even the head nurse who I pulled up the actress's name cause I wanted to give her due credit. Where'd it go? Uh, Kelly Nakahara. I kind of squinted and went. Isn't she the chef from Clue? Holy shit! And she wow, is. that's a really fucking good call. I know, <laughs> like I was, I'm like, is he talking about? Okay, so I was pulling up her Wikipedia as you were saying it, and yep. wow, yeah, I never would have, never would have put two and two together on that one. It, it's just one of those people that like I've seen that movie so many times, like her face is ingrained. Um. So, the one cool thing, and I mean, we're. Normally on episodes of the end, we kind of go through like the episode of the happenings and stuff There's so much. Dear listener, we are not doing that for this episode. <laughs> there is way too much to unpack. You've got places to be, um, you know. The thing that I did think was cool, 
because a lot of the show over the all of the the episodes focus on obviously you know you've got your main cast and you've got your secondary cast and then you've got everybody else all of your quote unquote extras um there's a scene where they're kind of in the mess tent and uh peace is is uh like nigh it is it yep. is coming any minute now yeah we're on the cease we're almost to a ceasefire so they're they're talking about um what are you gonna do with the rest of your life like once once peace is achieved and we can all kind of move on what are you gonna do and they very easily could have said cool we're gonna talk about these nine characters because these are like you know the the six main characters and three secondary and they didn't they went with like 25 characters some of these people only got like you know I'm going to open up a veterinarian school. I'm going to be a pig farmer. Like it was very quick, but mm -hmm. it it showcased other characters. People who maybe you didn't even know the names of. Maybe they they weren't even given names. You know, they were they were Fleegmen from <laughs> fucking Galaxy Quest. Right. But the fact that they kind of went out of their way to have other people um represented in that kind of scene I thought was really cool uh, that they didn't just take the easy way out yeah they they could have very much just focused on five characters and that would have been it and you're good to go but um with that they also to the same you know if there was one thing I noticed one sort of glaring bit in this I noticed and it was very I see what you did there um they mention a skirmish in Vietnam or something going on in Vietnam, and the one goes, Vietnam? Yeah, Where Klinger, where's Vietnam? Vietnam? Where the hell's Vietnam? And it's only obviously for the for the viewer, but it's presumably a similar, you know, where we are to know, because this started in 1970-whatever, that there were right. comparisons being drawn between what was going on then and what these guys are dealing with. Um I really I like appreciated that they mentioned it as sort of a, a foreshadowing as well as a yeah, we we know what's going on. You know, we know what this is about because it's right when the ceasefire happens and it's I would I would say the most powerful scene and sequence in the whole show. Um because <clears throat> they they're listening to the radio, the time is going to come, there's literally, you know, at two o'clock the ceasefire begins. Uh, there are three surgical tables. Everybody's working on people that are bleeding and cut up and etc. Um, and the radio man is over gunfire and mortifier yeah. is talking about how any minute now we are counting down to the ceasefire and it gets to one and there's still guns for another good two, three seconds. And they, they everything goes stone still. And it's quiet. And the radio guy goes, and this is the sound of peace. And they pull back and they're just showing that these doctors, like the beat is quiet and everybody's back to work because they have people's lives to save. Yeah, yeah. Just because, um, the, just because the shooting had stopped yeah. didn't mean that immediately like the injured were, were dealt with. Right. Um, it was this very poignant, powerful <laughs> moment where they show them all sort of you know, two die the doctor, the nurse, doctor, nurse, doctor, nurse, pull back, running around, um, but it's quote unquote peace. You know, yeah. 
Um, Brilliant. To, to circle back around to that Vietnam line, uh, Please. to kind of explain that, the movie, which was uh, Robert Altman did in 1970, was based on a novel by Richard Hooker, who was an actual MASH surgeon during the Korean War. And while Altman's film was faithful to the novel's Korean War setting, um, there were some thinly veiled and not so thinly veiled statement pieces against the Vietnam War. I'm sure. So that's was kind of a, I don't want to say like a throwback, but kind of a homage, so to speak. Mm. A where, wink and a nod. Yeah. yeah one of the, the radio announcers are talking about, hey, once this whole wraps up, you know, the military is still going to need uh, aid uh, to the army for Vietnam fighting in Southeast Asia. And that's when Klinger's like, Vietnam, where's that? Um, but yeah, like you saw that and you're like, oh, yeah, I see what you did there. Yeah. Um, the other cool thing, and this is maybe more cool for me than for you, because this, again, this falls into the how many episodes of this have we actually watched? Mm. Uh, Klinger, the guy who marries the the refugee, um, his whole deal was he was trying to prove that he was Section 8. Section 8 means you're crazy, you get discharged from the army for having, you know, a mental disorder. So the first time he meets uh, Colonel Potter, he goes into his office in like a flapper dress with like a sequin <laughs> turban and elbow length gloves. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Corporal Klinger reporting for duty. I'm Section 8. I'm wearing a bra. I play with dolls. I have heels on, you know, and he goes through this whole thing. And Potter's like, nope, I've seen crazier than you. Get in a goddamn uniform. Get out of my office. <laughs> but for so many episodes, that was just the thing. Like, they'd call for a clinger, and he'd come into the office, and he'd be wearing, like, a fucking Kentucky Derby hat and, like, a poodle skirt. And, like, that was his whole... He was, he was trying to prove that he was crazy, and it just became the shtick for the character. Mm -hmm. Eventually kind of phased his way out of it, because in this episode, he's mostly just wearing regular uniform. But when he gets married, and they get in the quote-unquote limousine, which is an ox cart... Instead of dragging tin cans, they were dragging like shoes that Klinger had worn throughout the entire series. So all those all those high heels and shoes and shit, all those lady shoes, were all Klinger shoes that they had tied to the back of the ox cart. And I watched that and I'm like, that's funny. Like I I felt like, you know, Captain America, I understand that reference. <laughs> Yeah, I knew, I mean, I knew that uh, he had, there was like a cross-dressing bit. I didn't know the whole of it. You know, yeah, yeah, he was trying to so prove I that he didn't. was crazy so he could go home. Yeah, that's excellent that the shoes were in, in acknowledgement of. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so here's my big question, because it's something sure. I was trying to figure out while I was watching. I want to hear your thoughts on it. Could this show exist on 247 Cable today? Do you mean, like, could they film, like, if this show had never originally existed, could they film it and put it on today? Uh, yeah, because you could definitely put, like, nobody's going to bat an eyelash at, you know, we're doing a math, a mash marathon. Number um, one. Because it's it just so legendary, but it could it be on? It wouldn't be on 247. It absolutely would not. Agreed. It would end up being on some sort of cable channel, or it would be some sort of, like, Peacock or Paramount Plus. Uh, sure. series uh, 
I would hope that it wouldn't end up on Netflix because if it did, it would get canceled after two seasons <laughs> and it never would have gotten this far. 100%. Um, I don't know. I think, I think this transcends all of that. Yeah. Um, and I know there's people out there who are like, you know, they, they know of the show and they know of the episode and they know that, uh, it was, you know, historic in a way, mm-hmm. but the expected audience for this finale was so intense that CBS was selling 30-second commercials. This is 1983 money for $450,000 for a 30-second commercial. In today's money, that's over $1.2 million for 30 seconds. Even in 1983, the cost of a 30-second spot at $450,000 cost more than a 30-second commercial spot in the Super Bowl that was aired in 1983. Nuts. To put that in perspective. Um, Um, Over almost 106 million viewers watched the episode. Still, as far as television goes, discounting sporting event, the most viewed... um, well, now I will hold on. The second most watched scripted TV episode was the season 11 finale of Cheers, um, which pulled 84.4 million, Friends 52.5, and modern show like Game of Thrones 19.3. Yeah. MASH, over 100 million people. I'm trying to... Like that's bonkers. Now, um, to take a while, well, you look up to take a skip back. I want to agree with you one hundred percent. I think that if this show, a show of this nature, was to exist again, somebody was going to go. We're going to make a mash like show. Um, two four seven wouldn't show it. It's too dark. It's too political. It's too um, and the humor. Very. I mean, obviously, humor is a different beast nowadays wouldn't fly i definitely think it would be on a u.s even a usa or uh obviously an hbo or showtime is a, is a clear winner but i'm with you i i think that tv has changed too much for your actual programs to have this much intelligence on 247 anyway yeah yeah um so If we look at the most watched television, mm-hmm. ranked number one is the Apollo 11 moon landing. Okay. Which is between 125 to 150 million viewers. Then we go to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different Super Bowls. Two through mm-hmm. nine is various Super Bowls. Uh, number 10 is Richard Nixon Richard Nixon's resignation speech. 110 million people. Wow, okay. MASH comes in at number 13 all time with 105.9 million people. Roots Roots the finale mm-hmm. 100 million people. 
The Police Pursuit of O.J. Simpson comes in at 21 with 95 million people. That's a harder one to gauge, but that's, I mean, I'm sure that that's a, a cumulative. But yeah, if you look at the top 30 of all time, mm-hmm. there's three TV shows. It's MASH at 13, Roots at 16, and then a made-for-TV movie called The Day After, which is tied for 16 at 100 million people. That came out the same year, November of 1983. Um, Everything else is sports events or news. Yeah. And... uh... It's, I understand why. I mean, we've done a lot of the ends, and we've watched a lot of final episodes of cornball shows or shows that we liked or shows with no context. Um, very, I think it was Cheers is the the only one that I can recall that I walked away going, "Fuck, that was that was good." No, that's not true. Breaking Bad's good. Six Feet Under, which we've never done, uh, is also good. But I think this one, Sight Unseen, is the one I've walk to go this one is legitimately made me go i i think i want to watch some episodes of, of mash it's just so cutting and so damn good <coughs> and and that being said we're, there were other good episodes that we've done for the end yeah i yes, agree breaking bad was yeah. good um some parts of sons of anarchy were good i mean we've done a lot of them but yes. I don't think any of them have had this level of impact and i don't necessarily mean historically either um, those ones that were good were good. And then you and your friends talk about it for like the next week. Like, yo, that was a fucking good TV show. This one, like you get done with it. And like four hours later, you're kind of sitting there going, fuck. Yeah. It sticks to you. Like that was like, it's beyond good. Like that was deep. Like there was, there's a lot to fucking unpack there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not a whole lot of other shows from then till now or whatever that still have that kind of feel to it. There's subplots that we didn't go over. The, the preacher loses his many, hearing. Many subplots. Um, the uh, grumpy sergeant, general corporal, the, the grumpy one, uh, he kind of ends up with a musician tagging around and he just wants everyone to be quiet and he's just like, let's try to listen to Mozart. And oh, that's David Ogden Steers. Yes, thank you. Um, and the... Prisoners of war are sitting there and they go, oh, Mozart, Mozart. And they start playing horribly. They're not very good version of Mozart, only for one of them to get hit in one of the mortar fires later. There's a lot of these. It's laden with them. It's it's kind of wall-to-wall plot. They, they really could have, as a finale of a show, as I'm sure we've all seen with a bunch of shows, like you could really paint your whole 23 minutes around saying goodbye and I think it does that. It's probably a good 20, 15, 20 minutes of the so longs. But the other hour and a half is so dense. Um, it's it's just good TV writing. It, it, you're right. It did have the, the kind of long farewells. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of joke about it now. We have a, uh, we have a mutual friend. Uh, not mentioning any names, but we, we game on occasion and they have younger kids. So, you know, the younger kids usually end up going to bed while we are all still gaming and we will hear through their headset. Yes. Good night. I love you. Yes. Good night. I love you. Good night. Good night. I love you. Yes. I love you. Good night. 
to where I will start joking, yes, good night, this is not Return of the King. Go, go to bed, this is not Return of the King. <laughs> yes, we know, this is not Return of the King, where we see 45 minutes of goodbye. This yes. episode had that, but it didn't feel that way. Nope. For me, in Return of the King, you're just like, oh my God, he's got to say goodbye to all these people. And you know, it's okay. So this, we're already two hours in. This is easily going to be another hour, hour and a half of the, because they, they have to say goodbye to everybody. Here, it just didn't feel like, oh, this is 40 minutes of everybody getting their goodbyes in because you wanted to see everybody get their goodbyes in. Yeah, 100%. And you can tell that the characters deserve it. Oh, 100%. It's, like, that's a that's a weird thing for a show that you've... I mean, yeah, we know the historical context, so maybe some of that's already built in, but um, the characters feel very well-lived in. The show feels so well-lived in that these characters deserve the chance to say goodbye to each other, to have their hug and send them off. Especially, it helps that it's painted around a war and that they get to leave the war, so you're happy for them as well. There's an emotional connection there. It's a lot. It's, it really is. Yeah, 100%. So what about you folks? What did you think of MASH? Unless you got some trivia and other... Do you have any other facts that you want to throw out there? Uh, I'm kind of looking real quick. All right, so while he's yeah. doing that... Yeah, exactly. I think we're good. <laughs> what do you guys think of MASH? Were you around when it aired? Have you since watched it? Are you a, a MASH file? A, a MASH head? A MASH hole? I don't know. Uh, where, Rob, can they tell us about their MASH experiences? Uh, you can go to somethingcast.com, which is the repository of all places. Something uh, has all the links and buttons and widgets and doodads to all of our social media. Uh, shop.somethingcast.com, where you can get T-shirts and, and glass and vinyl. Um, everything you can find over at somethingcast.com. Indeed. And um, is there any other uh, plugs we want to throw out there? Uh, there is. I uh, so, yeah, I know. You assumer, you. Yeah, um, makes an ass you out of me. Yeah. Uh, so if you would like to check out stuff that me and James have been involved with that are not part of our podcast, you can head over to talesoftheforgotten.com, uh, which is the Tales of the Forgotten Fiction Network. It is a community that is doing audio dramas. Uh, both James and I were in Star Wars Legacy, uh, I am currently in a show called uh, A Fairy Tale for Adults. Um, they do a lot of great work over there, so definitely check out talesoftheforgotten.com. And also, if you are listening to this, dear listener, whether on our Patreon, you would be listening to this on Saturday the 13th, or if you are a non-Patreon member, and why are you a non-member, you would be listening to this on Tuesday the 16th, which means, dear listener, if you are listening to this on Tuesday the 16th, it is a mere 48 hours until the beginning of live stream for The Cure 7. Live stream for The Cure 7 kicks off on the 18th to the 20th. We are trying to raise $25,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Go to livestreamforthecure.com. It will have all of the links for which you can donate, all of the links for which you can follow along, where you can watch it over on their Twitch channel. Our segment will be on Saturday the 20th at 2 p.m., James has been working tirelessly on an amazing segment that we are going oh, to be involved you. in with Nick. Um, but please, I urge you definitely check it out starting at 2 p.m. on Thursday the 18th. There are a number of amazing content creators and podcasters and people who are uh, part of this 
event this year to try to raise money for an amazing cause. It's something that me and James look forward to every single year. Yes, sir. Uh, so please definitely mark your calendars. Check us out. We're going to be tweeting it out like crazy. If you're in our Discord, we're going to be putting Discord links in there uh, or links in the Discord all the time. You're going to see it all over our Facebook. You will probably get tired of seeing all the links, but we are not going to stop. So definitely please yeah, check care. them out from the 18th to the 20th and help us crush cancer. 1000%. I mean, and to be fair, you know, to, to the what, one point, Rob, we, we, if, you, if you really, really hate that we're promoting the uh, cancer fund drive, sorry. Yeah. We don't really care. We, the fuck Ro- out. Rob's, the, Rob's sort of the guy who sits there and if you tweet and, and you're like, the, the purple on the website is two, ha- two shades too bright. Rob's like, can we change it just a little to see what, to see what we think? This one, ah, fuck you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> fuck out. That's all I got to say the- about that. With that said, we thank you all for listening. Uh, We will hopefully see you on the 18th. I'm James Hatton. I'm Podcast Rob. Goodbye.